In this episode of the Boost Health Podcast, you will hear... Oh, I 100% use it. I think you need to do soft tissue work because you have nerve endings that you can't stretch. And we have trigger points that are creating stability in a joint that we have to work through because they're painful and they block the communication of the brain to the joint. But if you've got massive cross-linking that's happening and you've got somebody on a rumble roller that doesn't know necessarily how to use it properly, I think there's a possibility that they might be doing more damage than good. Um, so for me, I say I find my balance by a daily approach to it and, and figuring out what my priority is for that day and my goal for that day and make sure those two things align. You're thankful first. You're thinking of all the things that you're thankful for first. Then I like to suggest people move on to recent accomplishments. So you've said everything you're thankful for. Now, what have you just recently accomplished? Find your balance. Find your balance. Find your balance. Find your balance. Searching for more wellness balance is our goal here at Boost Health. Welcome to episode number 35 of the show. I am Paul Sandberg, the founder of Boost Health and your host. I'm a certified strength and conditioning specialist with the NSCA. I have a bachelor's degree in human biology, a master's degree in business, and I've been working in the wellness and fitness industry for over 19 years. On the Boost Health Podcast, we cover the entire spectrum of wellness concepts, and we give you some actionable tips that you can implement in your personal health strategy. Now, my philosophy with this podcast and with Boost Health in general is to be open-minded and try new things. Preconceived notions shouldn't get in the way of wellness strategies that could be a real difference maker for us. Have you ever tried a new wellness tactic and it surprised you and how well it worked? Well, those are what we are trying to uncover here. Thank you all so much for spreading the word about the show if you think someone might enjoy it. And please take a moment to rate and review the show in your podcast app and or on the Boost Health Facebook page. Q&A. If you want to ask a question to be answered on the show, just click on the green Ask Paul button. It's found on the podcast page on myboosthealth.com. So here's the listener question for this episode. Hey, Paul, in your recent episodes on mobility, you talked about how mobility is not flexibility. What did you mean by this? Well, I meant that flexibility is only one component of mobility. Good mobility also requires body awareness, strength, and coordination. For example, a squat. It requires good flexibility in your ankles, hips, and back. However, you can be flexible in all these areas and still not be able to execute a good squat. Executing a good squat requires this flexibility, but also the strength, body awareness, and coordination to maintain proper form, especially when you add extra resistance. Now, the good news is, as I've learned recently, as your mobility improves, your form and range of motion increase, and you can break through plateaus you may have been stuck on for some time. Improving your mobility is definitely a personal journey, and it does require some consistent effort and attention, but it can be really rewarding. 
As mentioned previously on the episodes, the Mobility WAD program is a fantastic resource. We'll link that to that again in the show notes and blog. And I'll also continue to share mobility tactics that I find useful as I continue my journey. A couple that I've found extremely useful so far are doing squat holds. I've been doing 10 minutes a day, but I break it up into 10 sets. So I'm going for a one minute squat hold and I sort of break that out throughout the day. Another one is the 90-90 stretch, which I've shared a few times on Instagram. It's really fantastic as well. Um, The most important thing I can say about mobility is just to get started if you haven't already. It will definitely make a difference. Like I said, if you want to ask a question to be answered on the show, just click on the green Ask Paul button. It's on the podcast page on myboosthealth.com. Announcements. Multiple shows per week. Yes, you may have noticed shows getting released at a faster rate recently. I'm pleased we're getting enough guests and content now that we're able to produce multiple shows per week for Boost Health. And we're going to start out with two shows per week and see how that goes. We've got lots of really great guests coming up, so I'm excited for the future of the show. And thank you all so much for listening. Boost Health TV. Yes, another new exciting addition to the Boost Health lineup is the addition of video recording of the podcast. I thought it'd be neat when I have a guest live in the room with me to do a video of the show, just in case folks want to watch us in that medium. And it'll also give us the opportunity to do demonstrations if it's applicable, like this is how you do a squat. Uh, It should be launching the next couple of weeks, so we'll keep you posted on when the first video podcast goes live. And newsletter, if you haven't already signed up for the weekly Boost newsletter, then that is really sad. That's really sad. Get with the program. You can do it very simply if you haven't already by entering your name and email on the form on the homepage of myboosthealth.com. This way you don't miss any Boost Health news. All right, now on with the program. This is the third and final episode of a three-part series with Anna Woods, founder of She Strength. Remember, she coaches her clients through her online platform and community, as well as in her awesome barn gym office in rural Kansas. Now, in this third and final episode, Anna and I have a healthy debate on foam rolling. Anna tells us some awesome stories about results she's gotten with her special needs clients, some mental wellness tactics that she uses, and how Anna finds her balance. Okay, here is part three with Anna Woods. Yeah, and when I say mobility, um, I mean, I've completely thrown out a major component of it um, sort of as my own N equals one experiment. So in early 17, uh, I listened to a podcast on Ben Greenfield. Um, This guy was talking about Aldoa and he was concerned that foam rolling pushes uh, all the hydration out of your cells and recreate scar tissue. And especially in the way that I was foam rolling, which was smashing you know, until the cows came home before, yeah. after, and during every workout, <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was overdoing it clearly. And so I just quit, completely quit foam rolling and smashing. Um, and I've felt a lot better right away. So I, I wonder if there's something to maybe eliminating that or not doing it as, as aggressively. What are your thoughts? Oh, I a hundred percent use it. I think you need to do soft tissue work because you have nerve endings that you can't stretch and we have trigger points that are creating stability in a joint that we have to work through because they're painful and they block the communication of the brain to the joint as far as 
I mean, they're there for a purpose. We want them there because you obviously have instability in a joint and your brain puts a trigger point in there to create that stability. Right. But when we remove the trigger point, then we want to be able to recreate stability in the joint in the correct way. So foam, foam rolling tissue works a hundred percent needs to be included in your warm up, cool down. So, so, okay. So let's, I'll just be devil's advocate then. So we've got tissue that goes in different directions. So your muscular fibers go in different directions. And so somebody like you probably has a pretty good understanding of the muscle fiber directions. And so you can foam roll in such a way that you're hitting it correctly. But if you've got massive cross-linking that's happening and you've got somebody on a rumble roller that doesn't know necessarily how to use it properly, I think there's a possibility that they might be doing more damage than good. What do you think? It's okay if you don't Um, agree. I suppose there could be that. Like, I don't like, yeah, it's just case to case basis. If somebody has tendonitis or something like that, uh, and and IT band, obviously you don't want to be rolling on it. You're creating more pain. Right. But if it's an issue of immobility, and I can assess that there's probably a trigger point in there or something blocking that, or in clear discrepancy in their movement that there's immobility, then we'll apply soft tissue work. But I don't think it's something you need to do full body every day. (laughs) I only have my people do it according to what we're lifting or according to weaknesses where they know they're, they struggle with mobility issues. So yeah, that's, but I have a lot of people start with like the pool noodles that they swim with. (laughs) Right. Right. Super soft. Usually they're so painful to lay on a, a hard roller that it's defeating the whole purpose. So um, I have people start with pretty soft methods before we work into the grinding part of it. So, so yeah, so that's interesting. So that's been my thing my whole life. I've always been an all or nothing guy. Yep. <laughs> so maybe there's probably a little sweet spot in there between completely annihilating the muscular tissue, which I was most certainly doing, and then maybe doing some light work in, in between and not just throwing it out the, uh, throwing out the baby with the bathwater, as they say. I would agree with that. Yes. Pain isn't always good. <laughs> right, <laughs> I right. hate some of those memes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to talk um, about something I think that is really cool and, and, and obviously super important. So I've read, you've worked with special needs clients for quite a few years. Uh, and I, I really think it's inspirational. Can you talk a little bit about uh, some of the clients you've worked with? Sure. I have. Um, so I contract out my services with several day service providers in our area. And by day service, I mean they provide jobs, meals, staff for adults with developmental delays, special needs, you know, whatever. So I've done that since 2007, probably. Um, So most of these clients are like aunts to my kids or uncles to my kids now. But um, I worked at a, um, one of my first jobs when we moved to Kansas was I worked in a, um, retirement community. And I did like silver sneakers type of exercising. I I had this big wagon and I carried it around all of my, all the little individual homes and nursing home residences rooms or group rooms. And I did exercises with them for like several hours a day. And one of the PTs in there stopped me one day. No, actually she was an OT stopped me and said, I have a daughter with Down syndrome. She's morbidly obese. Would you ever be interested in working with her? Cause I see that you have a passion for special populations. I'm like, sure, I'd love to do that. Well, I started working with her. She dropped like 90 pounds. We did dumbbell work. She is a huge part of my life. Um, 
she's older now. And so we don't do as much cause she falls and kind of getting into dementia and that sort of thing. But starting with her led to many others to where I spent almost two days a week working with um, disability supports is the name of the company. Um, I work with some in another community too, but I'll go in two days a week. We'll play games. We dance, we do strengthening exercises. I work with autistic down syndrome, cerebral palsy, other, other multiple diagnoses. Um, and I really fly by the seat of my pants with those, <laughs> those sessions. Mm-hmm. Cause I've got to where now I can walk into a room and sort of assess the room, assess the sensory needs, assess the overstimulation of the clients. I can assess the aggression. Um, and I base our workouts solely off what I sense they need that day. Um, we do boxing. I have several that have a lot of aggression issues. We do a lot of boxing because it's soothing. It's stimulating. We do repetitive punching. Some, most of my downstream, my clients with downstream love to do dancing. We do a lot of Zumba. We do um, team games. I do tons of stability, joint stability work with them and strength training with them because they're super lax in their joints. They're, they're very, very mobile um, to a point of like chronic dislocating and stuff. Rarely do stretching or foam rolling with them. Um, and so, uh, I do some nutrition programming with them. We go on field trips. I've, they, I take some of them with me and we speak at events advocating for families of kids with special needs. Um, and really probably my favorite story out of this whole thing is that my, um, work with, with Amy, my one client I've had the longest to us down syndrome, who's lost like 80 or 90 pounds now. Um, she, my experience with her actually encouraged us to adopt my son. My son has down syndrome. We adopted him at age two. Um, and she was absolutely a hundred percent the driving force behind our desire to adopt, adopt a child with special needs. Um, and so she was there as part of that journey and that story. And I take him with me sometimes over there. They're part of special Olympic teams and, and do stuff all in the same groups. It's kind of a full circle moment for me every single time we're all together. Um, but those clients inspired my husband and I to adopt my son, who now I get to work with some of the kids at a young age now and help educate their parents on the importance of health and fitness for them starting now. Um that just because they're disabled and they have special needs and special processes that they need to go through does not mean that they're incapable of, of exercise and eating healthy and empowering them to make those choices. So uh, probably my favorite one-on-one training sessions are with, with my clients with special needs. So uh, such a, a beautiful story. Thank you so much for sharing that. I, I remember, um, I watched, I believe it was your son do a deadlift, like a really, really nice deadlift, <laughs> yes. um, straight pull from the ground. It looked like a good, good chunk of weight too. And the smile on his face was just, oh, it's just heartwarming. He was yes. super stoked after he, he cleared that weight. Uh, tell me, so this client, um, that lost 90 pounds. So how many times a, a week were you meeting with her? Two times. Two times. We did a strength week. training workout two times a week. We did the absolute same workout every single time. Um, people with special needs, especially with Down syndrome, repetition is key and visual mm. learning is key. So I'd be bored out of my mind, but every single time she loved it. Well, I, w- I shouldn't say she loved it. Some days she really hated me, but um, we would do it and we'd do the same thing and she got stronger. And as she got better at learning it, the more weight we could add and then we could add a little more to it and we could build on it. And I, by the end, 
before she got pretty pretty bad with her balance and dementia, we were doing barbell lifts like cleans, um, pull ups on with a band. Um, we were doing some really pretty advanced stuff, um, which we don't do any of that now, but um, she had the capabilities of doing that. A, lo- a lot of working with special needs is realizing you think they're going to be bored and you're getting bored. They're not. They need that repetition, like literally a year's work of repetition. Um, you also have to realize, especially folks with Down syndrome, like you can cue them, but there's typically a 10 second processing response time. So I would show her the movement. I would tell her the movement. And then I just wait because every time you re-cue, she has to reprocess. And that was a huge thing for me to finally learn as far as educating her on the lifting and, and some of my other clients is the session will take us an hour, but we might do five lifts. Um, so there's a lot of getting back on track and there's a lot of being silly. And I always say, my first 10 minutes of my sessions with my adults with special needs is can at least the boys is convincing them to put me down because <laughs> they love to give bear hugs and they pick you up and they want to kiss you on the cheek and they want to high five. And <laughs> Oh, that's so fun. Um, it's amazing. Yes. So, and one more question on her. Just, I'm just so impressed with that, um, you know, transformation that she had um, and she must've felt so much better. Did, did, uh, did she do changes to nutrition? Did you work with her on nutrition at all? Or was it all just, uh, uh, fitness based? Um, no, we did nutrition too. And actually a lot of my job was educating the educator. So I spent a lot of time with her staff, with her family, educating them on how to help her. Um, a lot of people with special needs have issues with, um, overeating, like they don't have food control or portion control. So we had to take a lot of foods out of her room obviously with parental consent because she has rights to right. as an adult, but I'm learning how to shop and her and I would sit down and make the meal plans for the week. And I would let her be a part of the process so that when she argued a food that she had to eat one night, I, we could always say, well, you chose it. Um, and, and those would be her options. So most of them are very, very sedentary. So her caloric intake was pretty low really for what she needed. Um, to lose weight. And it worked, obviously. Um, so probably 90% of my time was actually educating her staff and her family on how to feed her and how to help her make good decisions. Um, but then, like I said, then she would come in and be a part of the menu making process. So oh, that's, yeah, uh, that's fantastic. Part of it. So uh, you mentioned that you even did some Olympic movements with her. Um, there's a reason they call them Olympic movements. As they say, it's because they're very highly technical and require a lot of skill and practice. Is this, do you try to do Olympic movements with everyone or only certain clients or try to eventually graduate people to Olympic lifts? Or is it not something you worry about? How how do you treat those? Um, Depends on the person with her and a lot of my clients, my main goal with them was power. A lot of adults with special needs have low muscle tone and, and, Power is a huge part of balance and, and getting up from a chair and walking upstairs. And so my mindset with her was to teach her how to use her hips powerfully for everyday living purposes. I do the same thing with my elderly. We do power training because power training is, you know, the equivalent of strength and force working together. And those are two key portions of balance and, and getting up out, down out of a chair or off a toilet or upstairs, um, 
I don't necessarily make everyone do it. There will be a reason why I would have them do it. Um, and usually power is, is the main driver for me when I program it for someone. And, and what's your first go to, I've seen actually some nice progressions that you have worked on. Um, I believe I saw you working with a woman on just, uh, like a hanging clean and, but you didn't mm-hmm. even bring the bar up. You were just getting her, um, from, from the hang position and then using, um, like a tall stool to just like, you oh, know, yeah. force the hips mm-hmm. forward. The sit to stand. Yeah. You know? Sit to stand. Yes. Yeah. Is that, is that like usually a place you start where somebody doesn't have the hip extension piece yet? Right. And I actually like to use a med ball before I even use a barbell. So before that video, her and I were using a medicine ball um, because it's lighter. It's easier to manage. It's it puts your shoulders in better position and it's a little less intimidating. <laughs> yeah. To start out with. So I want to talk a little bit. I've, I I want to be mindful of our time here, but I, I really want to make sure we talk about your she think mindset program. We, we talked a little bit already about how important the mental pieces and, and how you really drive that home with, with your community. Um, so your, she think mindset program, I noticed one of the things you do is you suggest that folks spend some time in meditation or prayer every morning. And I absolutely love that. Uh, I'm a huge believer in that too. I, I do a little five minute daily gratitude myself. Um, and that's based on the study. Uh, the study came out and showed that you can improve your long-term health by 10% if you do five minutes of gratitude work every day. I mean, that's a pretty darn good return on investment for five minutes a day, if you ask me. And you just feel good yeah. after you do it. So, um, you know, you talk about people getting in the proper mindset where they expose themselves not to worry about what others think. And, and so I love that. Is this like this, everybody's talking about being your authentic self these days, Mm -hmm. which I think is actually really cool. Is is that kind of what you're getting at there? Like teaching them to just be okay with themselves and not worry about what other people think? Yeah, I think so. And I actually, I love Brene Brown's stance on this. And this is something I coach my gals. I think, I think it's impossible to not worry about what other people think, um, but I, I encourage people to know who their critics are and then know who their safe circle is. Like, I don't think everyone should know everything about you or know all about your struggles. And I don't think you should be concerned with what everyone thinks about you, but I think you should be concerned without certain people think of you. And, and what I mean by that is your inner circle, like who are your mentors, who are your trusted group? those are the ones you should be concerned with what they think about you and you should value their opinion. But you should also know who your critics are and Brene Brown says, and give them a seat. So see them, know who they are, but don't give them more attention than that. Um, Because she says, not worrying about what other people think is a whole hustle in itself, a side hustle in itself. Um, And I absolutely love that. So she says the, your circle, the people who are in the arena getting dirty with you are the ones that should have the most input in your mind as to what they think about you. You should value those opinions and consider those. The rest of them, you should know who they are, recognize them for who they are, but don't give them more attention than that. Separate your two groups. Um, And that's probably what I talk about the most with people. Um, and in regards to the meditation part of it is we, as women, especially wake up in the morning and we already start comparing ourselves to our to-do list. 
<laughs> and measuring our abilities to not get anything done with our self-worth. Like literally before we get out of bed, we're already going, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. And then the next process is there's no way I'm going to get to that. I don't know how I'm going to get that done. And we've already discounted ourselves for the day before we even got out of bed. And so one of the things that's where the I am enough mindset comes in is before we even get out of bed, make your list, but realize whatever you get done that day doesn't define who you are. Um, it, there should be a clear distinction between that. You're not who you, you are who you are. You're not what you, you do or don't do for that day. Um, so I kind of try to pair those two thought processes together. Yeah, that's interesting. That's, that's exactly how I, I've done it with different terms, but, um, and suggested it in, in some of my articles where you spend time in meditation or, or prayer or gratitude, whatever you want to call it, whatever it is for you first, you're thankful first, you're thinking of all the things that you're thankful for first. Then I like to suggest people move on to recent accomplishments. So you've said everything you're thankful for. Now, what have you just recently accomplished to sort of battle right. that? What have I not done yet? What have I done yet? What have I accomplished? And then to your point, it's still a good time to think about this because you know, you're running strong at that time of day uh, and you're, you're clear. You've thought about everything you've accomplished. Now let's think about what's today's strategy. And you're exactly right. It melds together quite nicely. So I'm curious about this because I've been doing assessments for a long time too, not necessarily um, through that exact process, but I've sometimes had trouble getting clients through this sort of, all right, calm down for a second. Let's just, let's figure out who you are and you know, what your struggles have been, what your fears have been. Have you ever had anybody that's, that's not, you know, if you, if you think of like the stages of readiness, like the pre-contemplation, contemplation, preparation, action, and so on, do you ever have anybody that's not quite ready for the action phase yet or, or, or needs a little bit more time in the think set phase before they move on? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> People get upset with me when I tell them that. Um, one thing with me, I'm, I'm probably too honest. People tell me that all the time, <laughs> but I'd rather be that way than beat around the bush. And so all the people come in and we'll do a consult and we'll chat and we'll go through all these. And I've probably had a handful that I've said, I just don't think you're ready. Um, yeah. you're, you're not in a place where I feel like it's going to be good for you to add something else in. Um, and then I'll encourage them to keep continuing with personal development. We keep chatting every once in a while, or they'll have accountability to come in and visit with me, but I don't feel like exercise or anything else is a really great and I shouldn't say exercise, but a focused plan for weight loss usually is not necessarily the best option at that point in time. Um, whether it be because they're looking at it as all or nothing and I can see already they're going to go in a hundred percent for two weeks and burn out and they're going to be set back even farther or because they're mentally not in a good place. They might not be in a good place from emotional standpoint, from trauma, from relationship from not having clear boundaries set. There's just a ton of things that, that could be um, excuses. I mean, mm -hmm. well, like I said, I'm going to be completely honest. I'm like, I'm not going to argue with you. Like if, if you're not going to be a morning person and that's the only time of day you have to work out, I can't help you. So yeah, I absolutely have people that I have turned away because they're just, yeah, not, not in a mental place where I feel like it's good to add a structured program in yet. I want them to work on some other things first. 
And I've had a few people who I've told that and, you know, they get very emotional usually. And I've had two or three that have actually hugged me and said, you know, this is absolutely what I did not think you were going to tell me, but I think absolutely what I needed to hear. Like I'm already overwhelmed. My system is taxed. I'm stressed. I'm tired, but I also want to lose weight, but I just don't think I can add another thing. And I think I just need you to give me that permission to not have to worry about weight loss or a strength training program right now. Now, obviously I encourage them to do their mindset. I encourage them to get out for a walk or get out in nature, find something that is energy producing for them, not energy draining and and let them choose what that's going to be. And then we get into a more structured plan once they've kind of gotten over that hump typically. So. Yeah. And that's, what's good about your plan though. And I, and I think I mentioned that earlier, how I like how you, you talk about, you, you start, start with setting boundaries and making themselves a priority. They've got the online community before you even start getting into the, the fitness and nutrition piece of it, before you ever do that first cue out on the floor, um, which is not necessarily what you would have if you went to, you know, your normal sort of big gym, let's hurry up. What's your goal? Oh, you want to lose 5% body fat? Great. Let's go hit the floor. Uh, let, you know, and you start right in on this, the sets and reps and you may right. not even be ready for that yet. So I, right. I think it takes a, an experienced trainer whose objective is not necessarily making money off of an individual, but rather wanting that person to have success down the road. And I, I think that's right. so much more important. That's, that's really excellent. Well, thanks. It's funny, you know, I, I say all the time, you know, I mentioned this earlier too, like, you know, you, you, the more you learn, the more you realize, the more you have to learn. Um, but you know, yes. I, I train people different than I trained them, you know, 25 years ago or 20 oh, years absolutely. ago, and two months ago, two weeks ago. So it, it's, it's like this evolution, always learning new, new stuff. And, and one of the things I wanted, I wanted to get from you since you have such a really, I mean, just a, a wealth of knowledge. And I think a really, really good positive message, not just for, for women, but for, for all of us within health and fitness, I wanted to get your take on finding balance. That's what I ask all of my guests. How do you find your, your personal balance, uh, in, in your life? And it sounds like you're, you're a busy mom and have a, uh, have your own business. How, how do you find your balance? I wish I had a great answer for that. I feel like for me, it's realizing that there isn't balance. (laughs) And that's a day to day decision for me. Like I, one of the activities I have a lot of my clients do, and I kind of mentally checklist for myself now is three goals for the day, three dreams long-term and three priorities for the day. And I just have to make sure that my goals for the day and my dreams for the day align with my priorities. Um, So that's on a day to day basis. And also weekly, monthly, yearly, like I always have to go back to my list. What are my priorities? What are my goals? Do they align? Okay. So it might be my kids are obviously family is going to be priority number one, um, outside of faith and that sort of thing. But having to set that boundary around time is probably the biggest thing for me. Cause when you work mobily, you can work 24 hours a day if you want to. And that's a really, really hard thing for me because I love helping people, but I have to set boundaries around that because, you know, this is family time. Okay, so I need to be off my phone, shut all notifications off. Um, so for me, I say I find my balance by a daily approach to it and, and figuring out what my priority is for that day and my goal for that day and make sure those two things align. 
that's probably my quick and easy approach. <laughs> that, that's excellent. And it, it, it's so true because balance is, it's not something that can be mastered. I, that's one of the reasons it's, you know, the tag of the show is because you're always trying to find new wellness tactics and keep an open mind and, and learn new things. And the fact that you have a approach where you have a clean slate on finding your balance on a daily basis is actually really, really good advice. Really good advice. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you very much to Anna Woods for joining me on the show today. Really appreciate it. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show in your podcast app. And you can follow my workouts and boost health updates on Strava, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Just search for My Boost Health. You can also visit Boost Health website at myboosthealth.com for links to everything along with more motivation and information. And until next time, this is Paul Sandberg for Anna Woods saying goodbye and find, find your, your balance. balance.